Well, good morning, Cross Point Community Church. <clears throat> it is so good to see you this morning. Uh, I'm going to dismiss the first through third graders. Please head back if you'd like, parents, if you'd like your children to go back. Again, they will hear the gospel of Christ preached, uh, proclaimed on the second floor. The lady back there waving her hand with the green lights. Uh, she's the one to go to there. Thank you, Danielle, and all of our children's workers. We are so thankful for the investment into our young ones. I'd like to welcome every one of you here today. It is so wonderful to see you. Uh, I know several of us have been on different journeys this week. Um, not only physically, some have been out of town and now you're returning, uh, but also emotionally and spiritually. There's been some good days, there's been some tough days for some in this congregation here. And so I want to say, uh, you are in the right place here today to glean from the truths of scriptures, to find encouragement, and I am so thankful to see you here. Again, welcome back to our team that was in Honduras. We praise God for the pictures that were sent. Uh, good to see you, uh, Isles. Good to see uh, Bill and Vicki Greer. Um, I'm not sure if Tracy's here, I, right up here. Good, no, right here. Tracy, good to see you. The team returning from Honduras, uh, we were praying for you, and we look forward to hearing more of what God has done through that trip. If you're visiting with us, we're thrilled you're here. Uh, if you're a regular attender, we're thrilled you're here. If you're following online, we're so thankful that you can utilize that, uh, that tool today. So you are the ones that have braved coming out of your house with one less hour of sleep this morning. Uh, hopefully you've um, interacted with that coffee this morning. And you are ready to receive the word. Today will be a little bit of a different day here at Cross Point. Um, we are going to take some time, and this pulpit will be split five different ways today. So you were bemoaning the fact that you lost an hour of your day. Well, here you go. You lose another one today. Anytime you have five pastors talk, just hold on. Uh, no, in all honesty, um, we're going to, uh, each of us have... A prescribed seven minutes, which is a present expressions of the miraculous work of the Spirit, if that happens. <laughs> I hear that amen. I see that hand. Um, nonetheless, we are excited to share. So why this? Well, this week, as an elder team here, uh, we jumped in a van. We made our way. I, was actually, I actually left a, a day later, but we made our way down to Southern California, Sun Valley, and we were able to spend the week meditating on God's Word, being refreshed and renewed in the Word this week. Three days of preaching and singing and fellowship with 3,500 other pastors. And it was such a refreshment to our souls. Um, so I know some of you knew that we were doing that. We appreciate your prayers on our behalf. Um, one of our mottos here, as we talk as an elder team, is that Ministry would happen out of the overflow of what God's doing in our hearts. Our prayer is that every single day we, as an elder team, as a group of pastors, are growing by grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, it would be shameful for us to stand here or to go to any of these studies and try to proclaim God's word to the congregation if we are not ourselves growing in grace. Every single day. And so, um, this morning we're going to share some of that overflow. 
Uh, five of us are going to share. Dave also came along with us. Uh, Pastor Matt, his father-in-law, Matt Kerr, also joined us down there. Uh, he's the pastor at Open Door in Shingletown. Met up. There were several other pastors from Reading area, uh, some churches that God is doing a wonderful work of grace in, that preach the word, that God is growing people in those congregations. We met with them down there. Uh, I did include this. Uh, it was such a special time. Um, obviously, you can see these. But uh, here's what's going to happen today. Each one of us is going to come up. So there'll be five of us, and the theme of the servant, the theme of the week, the conference was on being unashamed. And so, uh, sort of the goal of today that is each one of us share a primary text. I'm telling you, we went to dozens, if not hundreds, of texts this week and heard God's word preached. But each of us had the impossible task of dialing this down to one text of scripture that God used in our hearts this week. And then to share a key truth. So there will be a key passage shared. There will be a key truth shared. And then you notice we kind of shrunk down our prayer time at the beginning. And here's the reason is because each one of these elders is going to pray God's grace for this congregation in regard to the key truth and passage that were shared. So you're in for a fun next 45 minutes um, by God's grace. And I'm going to invite to start off, um, Pastor Matt, would you come and share what God has laid on your heart this morning? focuses uh, in right in on the one thing that stood out to me uh, during this conference. Like Andrew said, there were a lot of things that were thrown at us, but um, there's always one key truth that I usually walk away with, and it was the, uh, the opposite of what being unashamed for the gospel of Jesus Christ is. And with that being said, there was one passage in particular, if you have your scriptures with you, uh, Acts chapter 5, verses 29 uh, to 31. I'm going to read that, and I would much rather, it's intentional that, that most of my time is going towards the text, because that was one of the themes of the conference. It's not about us, it's about the Word of God, and proclaiming the Word of God. So let me read that, and then I'm going to draw three things out by way of a key truth, and then I'll, I'll pray for you guys, and me as well. So Acts chapter 5, verse 29 says, But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed, by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at the right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. So here is the key truth that I want you to consider these three things, if we're going to be bold in the midst of a culture that is closing in on the church, and if you're not paying attention, you need to pay attention. It's not going to get easier for us. It's going to get harder. And the very thing that we're doing by taking a stand on the word of God is going to make us an enemy, even racist, as we learned this week, in, in the eyes of the world. So we're going to have to endure through that, and here's three ways that we can do it. This was uh, from Nathan Bucinich in, in one of his sermons that he preached. We have to remember that we have a God-given mandate, number one. We have to remember that we have a Christ-centered message. And number three, 
which this is where Andrew has been in Romans, we have to remember that it's Holy Spirit-empowered, that we're on a Holy Spirit-empowered mission. So my prayer is simple for us, that we would be not only disciples of Jesus Christ in the days to come, but we would be bold disciples of Jesus Christ in the days to come. And this is the way that we're going to do it. We're going to do that by remembering the mandate, the message, and the mission. So let's just pray with that in mind. Heavenly Father, I do pray for Cross Point Community Church. Lord, this is where we are. This is our home. This is our home church. You have us here for a reason, Lord, and that is to um, obey the Great Commission. And Lord, we've been called with this task to go into the world and make disciples of all nations. And that begins here on the home front as we're hap happily embracing the idea that we are empowered by your spirit to do this. And we have the same message that they proclaimed in the midst of difficult circumstances. So Lord, help all of us. Lord, play a part in that as we are heavenly minded, Lord, for the people in our community so that they might know the Lord and uh, Savior, Jesus Christ. And they may bow their knee to him and confess with their mouth that he is Lord. And they will see that they were made to be worshipers, but they were be made to be worshipers of that God. So, Lord, we just thank you so much for the opportunity to do that. We ask for your blessing in the days to come. We look forward to this adventure in Jesus' name. Amen. Got me on? Yep, yep, yep. Well, I don't get to do this very often, so you better hang on to your hats. Grab your seatbelts, put them on. Uh, Andrew gives me an opportunity. I'm going to take it for all it's worth. Hallelujah, right, brother? Hey, we had a great week. God spoke to my heart uh, through a man named Vodi. I don't remember his total last name, but he was like the most uh, enthusiastic and just preaching God's word and really delivered, and it hit my heart. On, on what I'm going to talk about. I've only got five pages, so don't worry. Just hold on. Um, I'll take all the other guys' time. I'll try not to. But God did speak to me in, in Romans 1, 16 and 17. Flip as you can to that. And let me read that. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to what? To everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek, for it is in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, and it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. My key, tr key truth that he emphasized was this, and, and it's so true, and yet we forget this. That key truth is the gospel is enough as it is. This word of God is enough as it is. We need to know that and believe that. Here are some key points that I took. From verse 16, I'm just going to read these. It'll keep me better on track because I'll get crazy. So listen to these things. Write them down. We need not to be ashamed of the gospel. That was our theme. Don't be ashamed of it. Paul's writing in Romans tells us not to be ashamed right there in verse 16 of the gospel. Paul certainly was not, was he? If you know Paul and all of his ministries, he was never ashamed. He just took it and went forward with it and just delivered the word of the gospel to everybody that would listen. 
We need to know in our hearts that the gospel is enough just as it is. Let me ask you, are you secure in that yourself? Do you trust and believe in this gospel? Also in verse 16, it says, there is power in the gospel. And what does it bring? It brings salvation to all those who will believe in it. The gospel is sufficient, so have confidence in it. Do you and I go to the gospels for all of our needs in our life? Do you daily through your struggles, you're trying to train up your kids in the word of the Lord, they're going crazy or you're suffering, there's been grief in your heart, all those type of things. Do you believe enough in that to go to this gospel? The gospel is so complete as it, it's so, it, the gospel can be as complete as you make it to be. But on the other hand, it is a simple message that leads us to our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. All people need the gospel all over the world to live by faith. In today's time, he pointed out, we're being robbed of the truth of gospel. Not only in the world, but even in our churches today, a lot of them, we're being robbed of the truth of the gospel. Righteousness is found in the gospel. God has revealed to us Verse 17, it talks about our faith. It's found in the gospel. Don't be ashamed of it. And take the word of the gospel to those who don't know it. The Greers and others and all of you that went on that trip took the gospel around the world, didn't they, to this, this last 14 days. Take it out. Use it over and over again. That's what I learned this week. I have a prayer for our church and for my own life to be able to remember that this is everything you need to live your life. Everything else is insignificant to what this scripture tells you to do. It, it, it's your instruction book, and we forget that, don't we? So please, take my enthusiasm that this is sufficient. It's all you need. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just pray for us as a church. Heavenly Father, give us a bold confidence in your gospel. Lord, your gospel is enough for our lives. And help us to go boldly in your name to those who need to hear the word of the gospel. Your truth is in the gospel, and it'll set us free. And it is just enough as it is. Amen. Thank you, sound team. All right. I, I'm glad those guys were so short because seven minutes, really? No. <laughs> no, this is a great privilege to be here. And uh, in so many ways, I wish you guys could have shared the fellowship we were able to have as men and, uh, and hear the word and just be encouraged and challenged our own personal lives as well as uh, being under shepherds for Christ, for you. So my text, and, and just as Andrew said, this was really difficult to, to center on one text. So I kind of fudged a bit, brother. But Hebrews 12.2 will be my primary text. 
And I'm going to give you right away the truth that I want to center on is unashamedly fixing our eyes on Jesus. Now, whenever you jump into the middle of a book, there's a whole lot of context that comes before that passage, right? And I'm not, I'm not going to go there, but just for this sake, I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. I read out of the New American Standard, chapter 12 of Hebrews. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Amen. Who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And I, I tell you, I think there's some sermons there. I'm going to contain myself. The, the, the truths are so rich. So referring back to that cloud of witnesses mentioned in Hebrews 11 and throughout Scripture and even in modern-day times, did you know that men and women and boys and girls died? They were burned at the stake. They were kicked out of their jobs and put on the street. Families, mothers and fathers were separated just so we could have the English Bible, just so we could have this in our own language, English, let alone other languages. But they did that. They're part of that cloud of witnesses for the fixing their eyes on Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you another modern-day man that you may not know of. Some of you may. But we're all familiar with the story of the Titanic. Okay, Leonard DiCaprio and his, his beautiful uh, bride and, and how it sank and that love story. And that, that's a wonderful thing. That love story is great. But I want to tell you a greater love story. We already know it the cross of Christ and fixing our eyes on Jesus. But there was a Scottish pastor by the name of John Harper who was on that vessel. He and his six-year-old daughter, his wife had passed away some time earlier, so he was a widower. And this man, when he knew the Titanic was going down, you know what he did? He took his life preserver off and he specifically looked for somebody who was not a believer he said, you need this more than I do. He got his daughter to safety. He got women and children to safety and started preaching the gospel, started praying for men and women on that ship. And even when that ship went down, he was in the water still alive, swimming to and fro to men and women who were still around, asking them, have you come to Christ? Have you come to Jesus, my Lord? And he did that until he died. Years later, somebody was saved out of that and gave the testimony of this man. And that's how we know he did that, because of this, this man who was saved on the Titanic. And he was one of the few who was rescued out of the water and came back, lived for Christ. And that is unashamedly fixing your eyes on Jesus Christ. So let me read that one verse again, verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author, that is, he's our captain, he's our admiral, he's our general, he's our pioneer in the faith that leads us, 
and perfecter, it says. He finishes what he starts. Even now, he's working in you and me, those who know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, you need to fix your eyes on him because he is the hope that you have in this world and the next. So we want to remember, those of you who know Jesus, fix your eyes on Jesus. Those of you who don't know Jesus, fix your eyes on the one hope you have, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, as I I come to you, I think of my own life as well as my beloved brothers and sisters in Christ. I think of those that don't know you. We both and all need to be unashamed of our Lord and Savior and the message he gave us, of the words he gave us in in the, the Bible that men and women paid the price for, let alone our beloved Jesus Christ. Help our hearts, Lord, to really desire that above the riches of the world, above position and prominence and the toys of the world, Lord, that you would really convict us that this is the most important thing, the gospel of Jesus Christ. You, you, Lord Jesus, are the most important thing. Help us encouraging one another in that. And we come to you now in the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. They said there was a trap door up here if we spoke too long that uh, I was looking. Chuck was borderline right there. So, (laughs) All right. It's good to see you all here. Thank you for coming an hour earlier than you might. We really appreciate it. And um, come next week as well. So my passage is uh, Be Unashamed of Christ. The wisdom and power of God. I'll say that again. Be unashamed of Christ, the wisdom and power of God. That's in 1 Corinthians 1, 18 and 19. 1 Corinthians 1, 18 and 19. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written... It will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the cleverness of the clever will be set aside. The world's going crazy out there right now. They're telling us that uh, black is white, white is black, and you just should believe it, or you're wrong. And they're going to put you into some kind of crazy camp. In this particular passage, Paul publicly announces the Corinthian division in that church, which contradicted the Christian confession of their day. In our day, in contrast to the worldly public speakers who pride themselves on eloquence, persuasion, and fame, the apostle preaches the word of the cross. To first century hearers, Paul's message is shocking and contradictory because the cross is full of shame, punishment, and rejection. We take that for granted because we just, it's part of Easter, it's part of everything. But in those days, it uh, was not something that you looked at uh, with fondness. It, it, it just wasn't. One commenter, commentator uh, wrote that the word of the cross is God's total revelation, the gospel in all its fullness. 
which centers on the incarnation and crucifixion of Christ, the entire divine plan and provision of, for the redemption of sinners, which is the theme of the entire scripture, is in view then and now foolish by many. Human wisdom that seeks success and power does not lead to true knowledge of God, but believing the preached word in the cross does just that. So the key truth from that passage for me was that even today, we too would have regarded Christ and his cross as weaknesses and foolishness had not God effectively called us to himself through the gospel. So I charge you, all of you, brothers and sisters, do not be ashamed of the word of the cross, the cross of Christ. I encourage you to unashamedly do the work of an evangelist and share the gospel to all. That's what we're called to do. And um, it's easy to make excuses for not doing that. But tell your coworker, tell them about Christ, what they did for you. So let's go to the Lord. Dear Father, I just thank you. Uh, for this day. I thank you for these people here today. Lord, I pray that you would give me the boldness, the wisdom, and your words to share the gospel of Christ with as many people as possible in this lost and dying world. And I pray that you would give these men and women here in this congregation the courage and the wisdom to do the same, knowing that the day draws near for Christ's return. And I pray in all of this that we honor and glorify you in Jesus' name, our high priest, amen. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Chuck, Jim, and Matt. <clears throat> I praise God for... The noise. <laughs> I, I, I praise God for such a, a wonderful group of elders at Cross Point Community Church, and um, men who love God supremely, who serve Christ and His church faithfully, and who hold to the gospel centrality. Well, we're not perfect. <laughs> not a single one of us would ever even claim to be even close. We're sinners saved by God's grace. I'm telling you, there's a group of men who love you all. Um, and they give and give and give and give to the body of Christ. So I praise God for this group of elders. I praise God for every single one of you here that serve so faithfully in the body of Christ. Well, let's go to our Roman study for the day. So about 45 more minutes and we'll be done. Just joking. Just, just seeing if you're awake still. Um, that was a bit of a Mission Impossible, and man, you guys stepped up to the plate, so thank you, elders, for sharing. I am, in fact, going to go to, um, if I can get my device working, we will try. Could you advance that? I think it's, it's frozen up. There it is. Would you go with me to Acts chapter 17? We're going to kind of wrap up our time today in a passage that was shared this week. Um, unashamed, again, was the theme of the conference, and we heard passage after passage in the scriptures about holding on with boldness and confidence to what God has promised. Uh, there were several key texts that were given. This particular text was not a key text, but I'm telling you, as soon as it was shared, God took me in my mind back to when I was in high school. And God used this passage in my mind when I was in high school, and just as if it were many moons ago, many years ago, 
this week, God used it to encourage me in ministry and gave me something to pray about for our entire body. And so in Acts chapter 17, we are with Paul and Silas and Timothy on Paul's second missionary journey, and he is ministering in a place called Thessalonica. If you've ever read through, through Acts, you're going to love how these stories unfold and how God uses his people, his servants, to spread his gospel through the empowerment of his spirit. Well, here we are in Acts chapter 17, and I'm going to be disciplined enough not to continue on with the context. You can go back and look at that later, but I want to start reading in verse 2 of Acts 17, and you can follow along in your Bibles or your devices. And Paul went in as his custom was, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the one you have been looking for. Verse 4, and some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas as did a great many of the devout Greeks. We're talking about Gentiles. And not a few of the leading women. I love that. I mean, how Dr. Luke, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, doesn't leave that really cool part out of here. God, by His grace, has saved... I mean, well, I won't go into that. i got to keep my time contained. Verse 5, but the Jews were jealous. And taking some of the wicked men of the rabble, so they go into town and pull out the troublemakers. And what do they do with these troublemakers? They formed a mob and they set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason. Who is this Jason dude? Well, as we're going to see in a minute, he's a no-name. Nothing historically is really known of this dude, Jason, other than what this text says. And it says, seeking to bring them out to the crowd, and when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of his brothers before the city authorities. So they couldn't find Paul and Luke and Silas, so they drug this other dude out. They needed to punish somebody. And so they found a no-name, Jason. And what did they shout about these dudes? I absolutely love this. This is what has so gripped my heart. These men who have turned the world upside down have come hither also. And Jason has received them. So there's a guy that's involved in turning the world upside down. His name's Jason, and he's received them into his house. He's a no-name who God used to care for the gospel. And they are all, so now he's including, I'm sorry, I'm in verse 7. Verse 7, and Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king. Jesus! So what about these dudes? I mean, if you want to highlight anything in these verses, verse 6, these men have turned the world upside down. 
verse 7, saying that there is another king. And who is that king? Jesus. You've got to so overwhelm me with this, this thought. And don't write this down yet on your paper because there's a pre a phrase that I want you to put down in just a minute. But this thought, God uses no names to turn the world upside down. <laughs> we are sinners saved by God's amazing grace. And somehow in His sovereign plan, He has chosen by His grace to reach out and draw us out of our pit of despair, out of the miry clay, and to set our feet on a rock, and to empower us with His Spirit so that we may proclaim His gospel. Why? To turn this world upside down for Jesus. Right before I would say this phrase, I think you might need to include something like this according to this text. As they unashamedly proclaim Jesus Christ, or King Jesus, as they extol King Jesus, God uses no names to turn the world upside down. He uses people like me like you, like any one of us here at Cross Point Community Church in Redding, California, in Shasta County, to see our world turned upside down. How? My friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, it is as we proclaim King Jesus. We extol the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What's the takeaway? And we'll go our ways today. And you will actually, believe it or not, will be out of this place early. <laughs> What's the takeaway today? Here it is. Brothers and sisters at Cross Point, in a world that is consumed with worshiping at the altar of humanism and self-deification, we heard a lot of that this week. We live in a world that is consumed with humanism, self-deification, making myself God. What are we to do, brothers and sisters at Cross Point Community Church? We've heard this. Every single one of the elders are, uh, talked of this. What are we to do? We are to see the world turned upside down as we unashamedly proclaim King Jesus. Anywhere and everywhere. To anybody and everybody. Jesus is King. We extol the person and work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You and me, we cannot be silenced. We unashamedly proclaim Jesus Christ in a world that is obsessed with God-dishonoring gender dysphoria and gospel-deficient solutions for past racial oppression and trying to figure out how to work that out. And they ignore the truths of the gospel that brings together all people from all nations and all kindred and tribe to worship the Lamb. What are we to do, my friends? In this world we live in, we are to see the world turned upside down as we proclaim King Jesus, in a world that is crippled with fear over a mutating virus, what are we to do? Well, we are to see the world turned upside down as we unashamedly proclaim King Jesus. In a world that is twisted with manipulative politics and self-consumed wars, you think they're happening just overseas? No, it's happening here. What are we to do, my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, as we leave here today? We're to pray by God's grace that we see this world turned upside down. How? As we proclaim King Jesus. So what about you? This was already mentioned by some of the elders. 
um, Jim, I'm sorry, Matt, that we unashamedly hold to the mandate, the message, the power. Jim, as we unashamedly realize the gospel is enough, you don't need to add to this gospel, my friends. You don't need to pretty this gospel up to make it look as enticing as it can. No, because what Mike shared, it's foolishness to the natural man. So what do you do? You preach it as God said it. He is big enough to save the wretched soul. So he unashamedly proclaimed that the gospel is sufficient. It is enough. As our brother Chuck reminded us, we unashamedly fix our eyes on Jesus and don't take them off. The world we live in, we unashamedly, we don't walk around and, and kind of kowtow, and as cowards, we walk around thinking, oh, I'm going to kind of glance at Jesus and try not to be ashamed by that. No, my friends, we unashamedly look to Jesus. Every single moment of every single day, we look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. As Mike shared, we unashamedly embrace even the foolishness of the cross. Uh, what kind of a story is that? That the God of all creation would send Himself, God in human form, to come to earth to be born in a, in a stable, flat-out foolishness. In a world surrounded with these deities that dwell in all of these grand palaces, you now have the God of the universe. You're preaching a gospel that says the God of the universe came and was born in a humble stable? He lived as a humble life, as the, you know, the stepson of a carpenter in Nazareth, nonetheless. He traveled around and he had no pillow for his head. Foolishness. But what does the text say? But for us who are being saved, it is the power of God. My friends, we unashamedly proclaim Jesus. We see the world turned upside down as we unashamedly proclaim Jesus. King Jesus to anybody and everybody. So would you join me as we close out our time together in prayer, as we step out onto the mission field, Redding, California, as we see our neighbors, as we see our co-workers, as we see our teammates, and we tell them of a wonderful Savior. So God, I want to thank you for the time we could have today in your word. I thank you for every single person you've brought. Oh God, we've meditated on some wonderful texts of scriptures. We see the story unfold in the book of Acts. We assure ourselves of the gospel through the book of Romans. We see that the gospel is sufficient in 1 Corinthians through the craziness of life. And God, we find in the book of Hebrews that this Jesus is better but all of these texts of scriptures that we've gone to today, extolling Jesus. And so I pray, Father, that as we live in this world broken and terrorized by sin and death, that you would give us the grace every single day to proclaim and to live for King Jesus. My friends here today, I want to thank you for taking your time to come and worship as we continue in a couple brief moments of closing prayer. I want to acknowledge the fact that there may be some here today that have not been here before or, or 
maybe you have been here before, and by God's grace, you're trying to process the information that you're hearing from the Scriptures. Completely understandable. You see that through the Scriptures. That there are those who have been drawn by God's grace who are trying to process this information. And God is drawing them through His Holy Spirit. My friend, that may be you this very morning. You've been drawn to corporate worship today. It is no mistake that you are here. My friend, maybe it is because you need to do here that there is a Savior, Jesus Christ, who can save your soul. Jesus Christ went to the cross so that we don't have to go to the cross. He was our substitute. And my friend, Scripture is very clear. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be rescued. Come to Him in this faith that is so clearly articulated in the Scripture as being a repentant faith. It is a turning from your sin and trusting in God. That is the faith of the Scriptures. Would you come to Jesus in saving faith today? Some of you may have been wrestling with this for years and years and years, even as members of Cross Point Community Church. And you see in your life not the expressions of the fruit of the Spirit. Rather, you see no expressions of the fruit of the Spirit. You see a heart that is driven to sin. My friend here today, would you come to Jesus Christ in saving faith? Don't delay. Would you, as the Scripture so clearly articulates, would you admit that you are a sinner in need of a Savior? Would you call on Jesus Christ? Would you believe that He is the only Savior and then call on Him to rescue your soul this very day? I remember as a 10-year-old boy having sat under sermon after sermon. And then as clear as day, the blindfold was taken off my eyes and I saw myself as a sinner that needed a wonderful Savior. In that particular service where my dad was preaching, I was sitting in the back row and I couldn't contain myself. At the end of the service, I walked straight to the front and I said, I need Jesus. My friend, is that you today? We are going to close out this service in just a minute with an anthem of praise to God. We're going to sing, Behold Our God. There may be some in this room who God is drawing you by His grace today. This may be something where you, in fact, do need to go home and get on your knees and wrestle through these truths and come to saving faith by God's grace. Or maybe you're to the point where you are ready to call on this Savior. If that is you this morning, there will be chaplains at the front who would love to talk with you more about how to come to Jesus Christ in saving faith. You now know who the elders here are. (laughs) We're not often all of us on the same platform on any Sunday, and now you know. I would encourage you to find one of these elders before you go home today. If you still have some of these questions and say, would you show me more of this Savior? Oh, my friend, we would be so thrilled to open God's Word and show you the truths of how wonderful Jesus is. Those of us who have come to Jesus Christ in saving faith, my friend, will you enter... Actually, will you exit these doors today with a resolve to unashamedly proclaim King Jesus to a lost and dying world? 
And so let us close with a prayer to God before we sing this anthem of praise. Our Father, we thank you for bringing us together here today in corporate worship. You, need, you knew our souls needed this today. We needed the refreshment of the word. And so thank you. Thank you for every text that was shared. Thank you for every person that is here. Thank you for every song we could sing and every word of prayer that we could bring to you. I pray today, Father, that you will in our minds be high and lifted up and extolled. Give us grace, we pray, Father, to live unashamedly for Jesus Christ every single moment of every single day this week and of our lives. You have given us something worth living for. A purpose to pursue. And so let us, let us pursue this purpose while you've given us breath to breathe and our hearts to beat. Thank you, thank you, thank you for bringing us together here for worship today. We pray all of this in the precious name of Jesus.